Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha Casper-Cook, and it's A Good Story is a Good Story, and we have a wonderful show today about an anthology called Wicked Women, and um, you're going to have a lot of fun with the guests, and they are Elizabeth Black, Sarah Marks, and Suzanne Reynolds-Elpert, so I, at least I got the names right. Good. They weren't hard ones. <laughs> if they're hard, then, then I have to I usually screw up the last name, but okay, so these are easy ones. I could say these, right, and it's going to be a fun show today. And uh, they're probably going to read a little from the anthology, which will be fun. And um, I think we're going to just get the show started. And it's Happy Women's History Month, International Women's Day, which is lasting all month, I think, <laughs> because I think it's really, that's you know, every show has it, you know, they're talking about it. So And now we have women on the show, all women today. So it should be very a lot of fun. So let's have Elizabeth start off, because Elizabeth always brings me the greatest guests. They're mostly the horror writers, and uh, (laughs) which is her thing. So, okay. So, all right. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Tell everybody who you are. Okay. I'm Elizabeth Black. I write horror as E.A. Black. I've been a member of New England Horror Writers for about six years. I've written many short horror stories, and I've interviewed horror writers, including Joe Lansdale, Jilly Sue Moseman, Ramsey Campbell, Jack Ketchum, Josh Mallerman, who was going to be our guest in two weeks, Doug Flake, yes. mm-hmm. Paul Tremblay, and more. And my short horror story, Invisible, one mentioned in the Solstice List 2017 Best of Horror, and that story appears in the, in the anthology Zippered Flesh 3, which is all body horror. That's good. Okay. All right, Sarah? <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Sarah Marks. I hi. am a multi-genre author. I write in romance, chiclet, fantasy, horror. This is my first horror anthology, but I have two collections of Lovecraftian horror stories that I have published, indie published in the past two years, and I'm always writing more and more of it because I love looking at the horror in our everyday lives and how uh, that yeah. It's that true. influences what we do to each other. Mm. Yes, that, that's a very true statement. Okay, and Suzanne? Uh, yeah, I, I just want to start off by saying yes to Sarah. I totally agree with yeah. what she said. <laughs> right. um, so, so I'm Suzanne Reynolds-Alpert, and um, I started writing when I was very young. I mostly wrote poetry. I used to 
um, win poetry contests for children, um, and it was only as an adult that I started to try and write um, fiction, and kind of started out in sci-fi and fantasy, and have over the years morphed into horror, and I primarily consider myself a horror writer now. Um, I still do write some poetry. I tend to write dark poetry as well. And um, other than that, I am a technical services librarian, uh, a freelance editor and writer. Um, I have two great kids and a supportive husband and two black cats that bully me. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. right. You know, this is – I just want to ask a question first before we get into – you know, because Elizabeth knows that I talk about this a lot. Because a lot of times I, I was deciding should I put horror, you know, writers on. I, I just titled it "Wicked Women" because as soon as people hear horror, so I just would like to know how everybody views horror writing that's on the show. Okay, Sarah. So how do you view it as horror writing? Because I think that's just or as soon as someone hears that. They just go like, oh, no, I don't like that. But that's not true because they're watching movies with horror that they don't even realize it's horror. So, I mean, how do you, how do you describe your feeling about horror writing? I think that horror writing is so multifaceted that it, people struggle with the idea of being scared. They're especially coming from the world of romance and finding that there is an interesting overlap between some romance readers who are also horror readers We want to feel safe, and I think horror allows us to feel scared and feel safely scared at the same time. I can read books about haunted houses till the sun comes up through the night, not be scared, watch The house, House on Haunted Hill, never bat an eye. But as soon as I'm in the haunted house myself, it's a completely different experience, and I am frightened because it is happening to me. But there are people who don't want to feel that fear. But at the same time, Susan, I'm a librarian. I do, I do reference in, in front of the house stuff where she's behind the scenes. And I have found that people talked about horror as a coping mechanism through the past year, that it gives you something safe to feel afraid of in a world where we are out of control right now. Yeah, so horror yeah. is about control. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. This, you know, and I know Sarah, you started to say that by how you felt, you know, about horror. So why don't you continue on a little about how you feel about horror? Horror. I mean, it is for me a control issue. If I can control my fear, I feel safer in the world. I love being scared. I love letting go of of the world around me and feeling that fear. I'll walk into some fearful situations, but others I I won't. But it's never influenced my media consumption, be it books or movies or TV shows, and the flip side, writing, because it's yeah. there's a safety to it. I'll read it. Well, because you're in control. Yeah, you're controlling it yourself yeah. by what you're writing. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Elizabeth, how do you feel about that? Um. Well, I I call horror horror. I mean, there are all kinds of different names for it now. But I mean, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, it, it's it's still horror. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, horror is it's very cathartic. Because when I'm in a bad mood or if I'm tense and upset about something, I'll read a horror story or I'll watch a horror movie, and it's a safe environment. I know nothing can actually hurt me, and I'll have the same feelings that 
that are running through me right at that moment from reading and, or from watching, and it goes away. So it's uh, it's kind of a str- it's a stress reliever for me, and plus sometimes I just like being scared, scared in a safe environment. Yeah, I, this is sense. very dark. I mean, this has been a very dark year. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I I mean, this oh, yeah. is like a year now. It's it's a year, you know. And I remember when I first did the show when we were starting the COVID, it was should we talk about it? Should we not? Are people going to write about it? Are we even going to want to talk about it? And it won't last. And then it's a year. Okay, so it's been a very intense year, and there's been a so mm-hmm. I think you know, and I should remind my I forgot to say this. I'm having shows called Hello Hollywood, which are going to be once or twice a month, and they're going to be fun shows talking about all different kinds of movies. And I'm going to have like several guests at a time. So any of you three ladies that want to come on, just let me know because we're talking about there's so many Netflix movies, and I mean mm-hmm. it's constant. You know, Amazon Prime. I mean, there's so many different movie i mean i don't even know every day the something pops up on the, pops up on the tv and it goes you want to join this or that and there's hulu so there's so much so i think it'll be fun so it's starting at the end of the month last tuesday the 30th so it it should be fun because i think people have escaped this year by watching like, like what you were saying true i think cuz cuz we were it's just such a dark year that we i was even talking to my friends it's like i think about last year the beginning, like March, how dark a feeling everybody have had of like hopelessness. So I mean, now it's feeling so much better. People are getting vaccines, you know, mm-hmm. and I think there's hope. So I think it, the world, right as we're sitting here right now, it is changing, which is a good thing because thinking back to last year, it was so dark, you know. And so I think that you're all probably saying the same thing about control. So okay, so I think let's. All three of you wanted to read, so let's read a little bit from Wicked Women, and then we'll talk about it. And um, who wants to go first? Anybody? Um, Elizabeth, you want to go first? Or? Sure. Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Um, my story is called The Fetch, and here's a little bit about – I'm going to start reading from the middle of the story. So okay. um, this is a general synopsis of it. Julie and Linda are schoolmates and best friends, but the two have drifted apart. Julie has been in love with Linda for years. Julie recalls a time she and Linda held a seance in Linda's home, and they called back a fetch, which is an Irish spirit that foretells misfortune. And I'm going to begin here with the seance, and I'm going to put this on a speaker. So, you know, just okay, want to well, make sure that you good. can hear me. Yeah. Okay. Okay, can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yes. Good. We're okay. good. Here we go. Okay. <clears throat> Julie opened her eyes and stared at the board. Say something safe first. Okay, this is a Ouija board. Will I get an A in math, Julie asked. The planchette moved to no. Figures, Julie laughed. How about this? Will I find true love? At first, the planchette did not move. Then it slowly slid between the words yes and no. It sat directly in front of Linda, pointing at her. The meaning couldn't have been more obvious to Julie, but it was lost to Linda. Julie had hoped the board was telling the truth and not toying with her feelings. I don't get it. Is that a yes or a no? Linda asked. I'm not sure, Julie lied. Let me try again. She called in a loud voice. Will I find true love? Julie often wondered why mediums who conducted seances and used Ouija boards in the movie sounded, uh, shouted so much for the spirit's death. Once again, the planchette circled around to point directly at Linda. Julie stared into Linda's face. 
The girl had no clue what the planchette was trying to say, and Julie was too too chicken-hearted to explain her strong feelings to Linda. This is boring, Linda said. Let's try the seance. Maybe we'll have better luck with that. Within moments, both girls faced each other in front of the table. They held hands. They held on, she held on to Linda tightly as if never wanting to let her go. Ouch, you're hurting me, Linda said. Sorry, Julie said. Embarrassed, she loosened her grip. What would Linda say if she simply blurted out her love? Would she embrace or reject her? Julie had feared rejection. She didn't respond more than to say she was sorry. Who do you want to call? How about that fetch, Linda, uh, Linda asked. Brad made it sound interesting. It's a family spirit, too. Are you sure? Those things sound dangerous, Julie said. How about Janice Joplin instead? At least we know who she is. Okay, Linda sounded disappointed. Let's try Janice Joplin. She grinned. Then the fetch? Julie ignored Linda's last request. Instead, she stood up, walked to the record player, grabbed an album, and played Peace of My Heart. The perfect song, although it was about a man and woman. Every time Joplin, Joplin sang, break another little bit of my heart now, darling, Julie wanted to cry since it reminded her so much of the way Linda had treated her while dating Len. I'm calling on the spirit of Janice Joplin, Julie said. Let the sound of your music guide you to us. If you are here, please give us a sign. Did the temperature drop just a few degrees or was Julie only nervous? Between calling the spirit and being so close to Linda, Julie couldn't have been more thrilled. Janice Joplin, if you are here, give us a sign, Julie said. Don't be afraid. We won't hurt you. We just want to talk. Julie shivered in the cold. She could see her breath. But what's going on? Why is it so cold in here, Linda asked. She shifted in her seat, ready to stand up. Don't break the circle. Whatever is in here will be trapped with us if you do that, Julie said. I'm getting scared. It's cold and dark down here, Linda said, like a grave. Let's try a little longer. Maybe she'll show up. Julie took a deep breath. Give us a sign. I command you. The table jumped. Linda shrieked. Three loud bangs as if metal pounded on metal sounded from the back of the basement near where the water heater was. No one else was in the basement except for Julie and Linda. Don't break the circle, Linda said, but Julie had, uh, Julie had said, but Linda let go of her hand anyway. What's that? Linda asked. Julie squinted to get a better look. A shadow hovered near the water heater, squatting down as if ready to charge at them. What is that thing? Linda cried. The candles blew out. Linda screamed. And that's it. You know what? It's so funny that you said that because, you know, Ouija boards, I'm very superstitious. And I do like (laughs) when I was young, we used to use the Ouija board all the time. I mean, we all Mm -hmm. did. And we just all and just like you said, it. it's like, will we find true love? Will we do this? And Mm -hmm. we'd ask all those questions. It was so I forgot all about that. And I remembered um, I said, who will be my true love? So it said. Oh, Stephen C. And we, we all the girls, we just sat there and we're going like, who's it? You know, because then at that time you're thinking of everybody you know with that initial, Stephen C., Stephen C. And then all, and you forget about it years later. But then I, I ended up reminding myself years later because then I married someone, Stephen Cook. So it's really weird. <laughs> oh. You know, because I, I didn't know him. But we, you know how, like, we went down the list of going, okay, here's all the guys we know who you because when you're teenagers, you do that, you know. But the Ouija mm-hmm. board is always like scary in a lot of ways, you know. Because once you really are serious about it, it becomes what you're really do. You're in it, 
you know, so that's really an interesting. We never talked about Ouija boards before, but uh, that was interesting to hear that. So I think these stories, you know, these stories are, you know, I think this is why this is good because they're short stories. So I think it's, it's you know, for people who've never tried to read any horror writing, they should try a short story like all of these. You know, you can test the waters. All right, Sarah, you want to read something? I'm happy to read something. I'm going to be a little shorter, but uh, I That's think fine. my parents are listening, so they, they okay. should be Hi. warned. For, Hi. For the Hi to your parents. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> my story is, does this bring you joy? What the fuck is this mess? My darling husband yelled from the floor below. I didn't respond. I don't yell or respond to profanity. Also, I was surrounded by our stuff, and I wasn't sure I was going to get out of the mess with Grace. I smoothed out my blouse, cardigan, and skirt while I waited on the wall-to-wall carpet of our bedroom. I made sure to cross my legs and pick the piece of lint off my tights while I listened to him curse as he navigated the maze I had backed myself into. I assume you're upstairs and this mess continues, he said, probably at the foot of the staircase. He knew I wouldn't respond until he was standing within my eye line. He exhaled, exacerbated, and stomped up the stairs like he was trudging through mud, the steps uneven as he avoided more items. What the fuck are you doing? My darling husband asked when he saw me surrounded by our clothes. He was wearing one of his many tailored suits. I could see the wrinkles in his shirt, and his silk tie was loose around his neck. I was sure he wanted to change his clothes, head down to the basement, and ignore me for the rest of the evening. I doubted he could find the hideous tracksuit he liked to wear down in his man cave. I had already put them in a trash bag and placed them in my SUV to take for donation tomorrow. I was trying to end our dependence on things, I said, calm and rational, my smile reminding him that it was obvious. How do my clothes fit into this category? He motioned towards the pile of his business suits on our king-size bed. I closed my eyes and took a breath, cleansing deep breaths before responding. I pulled them out to see if they bring me joy. The way he pressed his lips together and the flare of his nostrils made his feelings clear. Why should my clothes be something for you to worry about, he finally said. I pulled out everything, I said, gesturing around the room. I'm going through everything. He lifted his leg and looked for a spot to put his foot, trying to get to the bed. It took him a few seconds, but he got there and snatched the piled, expensive suits I had carefully laid down. He kicked down one of the carefully organized piles of my clothes between him and the closet. When he got to the open closet doors, he slammed his hangers back on the suit rack. Do not touch my things, he said, when he turned back to me leaving to search for his tracksuit. I looked at his feet inside. At least he wasn't wearing his dirty shoes on my perfectly clean carpet. My home needs to be a perfect reflection of my inner peace. That's the way I wanted to live my life. It shouldn't be difficult since it was just my darling husband and myself. No children or pets should make it easy to live the life I wanted and have my home reflect that. Our kitchen was state-of-the-art with every modern appliance we could ever need but rarely used. I meticulously selected every piece of furniture to make my home look picture-perfect in shades of gray, 
glass, granite, chrome, and microfiber, covered surfaces and fixtures. No knickknacks sat on surfaces. Everything was stored in its place. Books were recovered to match each other. The technology was hidden. It was all the way I wanted it to look. (coughs) I hated all of it. I'd woken up on New Year's Day feeling unhappy. We had gone out for dinner. Neither of us had spoken. But I watched my darling husband get drunk. And then I'd driven us home in his obnoxious tiny sports car. I felt every bump and pothole as I struggled to drive the stick shift. I had put him to bed in our perfect room, and I realized I was miserable. (laughs) Nothing in the house made me happy. It was no longer a reflection of my inner peace. Excuse me, drive through, because I no longer felt that. And I'm going to leave it there so you can figure out how. You know, right. And people are, okay, so that's what, okay, that's on Amazon. There's a link to your book, to the book, uh, Wicked Women, on the show page. So, um, because that's a sample that they you have in the book because you're one of the first authors. So I, I think um, people can just, you, you know, go onto Amazon and then they can find your book because it will be on the show page. Okay. So, I mean, I think, oh, you know, there's, I'm there's glad. One, I, one thing first. One, yeah. one thing first. As far as uh, Wicked Women goes, I think we also mm-hmm. need to say that it's an anthology of the New England horror writers. Um, okay. It's 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 written. It's uh, edited by a woman. The artwork is by a woman. All the authors are women, and they're also all members of New England horror writers. So I, I needed to stress that, you know, for for the and, book. And I think you know, and I'm glad we're reading this. You know, you guys are reading this because if people think that horror writing is a whole different type of writing, it's not. It's just a story. So I think, you know, we're seeing that now by, I, I'm really glad mm-hmm. you two have read it so far because this will show people it's a story. It could be a scary story or whatever you were saying before, mm-hmm. but it's a story. It's nothing that they think is so freaky, you know, that they can't get into, you know, because um, I think this is important for people so they can finally look at things and go, yeah, maybe I'll read something like this. Because a lot of people, as you know, Elizabeth, after so many shows, they do shy away when we say that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just regular writing. in in just it's, it's just a genre. Okay, so Suzanne, I think it's good to read these. I, I'm happy we decided to do this. Suzanne, go ahead. Yeah, so so before I read, I just wanted to, to respond to something you said, Marsha, um, mm-hmm. and also just say that, you know, I'm thrilled to, you know, be on the show today because um, Sarah and Elizabeth's stories were two of my favorite in this, this anthology. And honestly, oh, this anthology you. is one of the strongest um, I have ever read. And, you know, I've been reading genre stuff for a long time. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be on with, with the two of them. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, Marcia, to your point, is that, um, you know, yes, a lot of who feel that um, – you know, they want to shy away from the label horror because they're afraid yeah. there's something in there that they wouldn't like. But ultimately, and I think, you know, the two stories that you've read and the little bit you, you'll you hear about mine, um, you know, stories in any, any genre, including horror, they're ultimately about people. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, some stories, I guess, can be high concept and, and maybe can just be about whatever the big bad is. But but I think one of the great things about the good horror, the, the horror that I tend to like, is there are stories about people, ultimately. Yes. 
relationships uh, so I just wanted people, to say right? that. <laughs> no, it's good. Because no, it's true. It's said. relationships and people, right? It is. Exactly. It's the same type of writing and reading that people do all the time. All right. So go ahead. You read. And then we'll all talk about this because this is an exciting anthology. So my story is called um, Souls of the Wicked, Like Crumbs in Her Hand, and um, I'm picking up in the middle. Uh, The only thing I need to let you know before I begin reading is that uh, the story is about a woman named Megan who has uh, a young child, and um, she has been suffering from postpartum depression. And now I'll start to read. Okay. Megan glanced at the nearby tables of happy, normal-looking people afraid of looking strange herself if she were about to talk to a woman no one else appeared to see. She swallowed down a bitterness that rose into her throat, coffee churning in her stomach. As if sensing her distress, Sammy moaned and fussed in his stroller. He would soon be awake, wanting his bottle. She looked in the woman's direction. Are you talking to me? She asked very softly, too softly, really, for the woman to hear. The woman stopped whatever she was doing with her hands and caught Megan's tentative gaze. Of course I'm talking to you, silly. Who else would I be talking to? The question is, why? Why you? Why now? As she said this, a bone-chilling, cocky smirk crossed her face, making her look not quite sane. There is something here, though, she finished. Her dark eyes were shiny with an inhuman luminescence, and Megan had the sensation of being undressed. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry I was staring at you. I didn't mean to be rude. I, uh, I was staring off into space, really, thinking of something, and I realized it looked like I was looking at you, but I wasn't. Megan realized she was contradicting herself and sounding like an idiot. But the woman made a motion with her right hand, as though she were flicking away a fly. No problem. It is no problem at all. In fact, I'll come join you as you finish your drink. And who is that with you? A baby boy or girl? Is it yours? She stood up and jammed stocking feet into her sandals reaching for her tote bag and pulling it over her left shoulder. The pastry pastry crumbs were still clutched in the woman's left palm. With her right, she grabbed paper cups from the table and a small paper bag. Smiling, she stalked over to Megan's table. Every instinct Megan had was screaming, Get away! Get away now! But she remained frozen to her seat, unable to move. Sammy fussed again as the woman approached. His mouth turned down, and a small mewing escaped his cupid bow lips. Pulling out the empty chair at Megan's table, the woman tossed the cups and bag on the table. She sank into the seat with the grace of a dancer. Up close, Megan could see small wrinkles creasing the corners of her eyes and lips. Otherwise, her skin was a smooth, polished shade of warm tan, and her eyes were so black that the irises were indistinct. The woman sat to her right, Sammy on her left. A suffocating sense of claustrophobia struck Megan, and she fought down a rising gorge. So, the woman began, 
as if they'd already mutually agreed to the terms of the strange engagement. As I suspect you now know, no one else here can see me. I am not so much invisible to them as I am a place of negation. They see me, but they cannot process me. She smiled very widely as she said this. Plus, I cloak myself in shadows and liminality. It is almost always quite effective. But there are cases, some cases, where a person can see through my illusions. There is always a reason why. Fate, some might say. She paused to unclench her left hand and peer at it. Still looking down at her hand, she said, take a look. Too scared to do anything other than obey, Megan craned her neck and looked at the woman's hand. A spattering of crumbs dusted her palm. They appeared to be from a muffin or scone of some kind, something with mixed berries. A smear of dark blue colored the spot under the woman's long, tapered middle finger, and two bright red splotches of strawberry or raspberry dotted the soft part beneath her thumb. Blood, Megan thought. It looks like blood. The woman began to move the crumbs with her right index finger. I need to be invisible to do what I do, to be who I am. I have lived a very, very long time. I no longer even remember my childhood. I don't know if I had a childhood. As far as I know, there is no other creature like me in all the world. Megan fought a frightening sense of vertigo as the woman speared her with a gaze. She shook. Her mind went blank as she tried to form a coherent plan for escape. You poor thing, the woman crooned. You are petrified. I truly mean you no harm. It is not you that I hunt, nor is it the babe you birthed. Hunt? Megan choked out. The woman, the woman inexplicably became distracted, mumbling something to herself and peering intently at her palm once again. For two agonizing minutes, she continued to mumble, occasionally closing her eyes and stirring at the crumbs in her palm. Megan thought she might be able to just push the stroller away quietly, slip from behind the table and go. See here, the woman said, her attention suddenly back on Megan. She pursed her lips and inclined her head toward the palm holding the crumbs. The large morsel right there at the center, that is a businessman flying out of Tokyo. He is of half Japanese descent, but has made his fortune in his sacred halls of Wall Street. He would be well known to you. As Megan watched, the woman closed up her palm, making a tight, pale fist. She blinked rapidly and said, it is done. She then pulled one of the paper cups she'd brought to the table toward her, made four vertical tears as she'd done before, and brushed the crumb remains inside. For one such as me, she continued, the souls of the wicked are like crumbs in my hand. I know not why I am this way or who made me. I know that I have this need to snuff out souls. And I'll end there. Wow, these are really good. I am so I, I'm gonna I'm buying this because this is these are really good stories. 
I mean, I, I'm happy to uh, that I heard all these. See, really, it's it's so interesting because the thoughts that all three of you have are just they're probably in people's minds also. They just don't mm-hmm. know it. You know, it's mm-hmm. so interesting. Now, have you guys thought of? I don't think you have an audio book on that, right? When you do an anthology, but you guys should think of that. This would be a good yeah, audio book. <laughs> because yeah, three, you could do that on ACX. You could all decide to put it on ACX and get a reader because it's there's such good stories when you hear them. I think they it, are, it would do great. It's not our decision to do. I do audio books with um, with my two horror books. I've done audio books for them, and I yeah. love doing the ACX program. But it's not easy to sell horror over the internet it really is from from the experiences i've had so far really is a face-to-face interaction because well it's the same thing it's like with children's books too but this is these are very good when you know listening to it having not read it listening to it they sound really good i mean elizabeth wouldn't you i mean i I think they sound really good you know um so i think you should if you for all of you if whoever's in charge if you decided they would be really great, though. I mean, because it, I think these stories would be great to like listen to. You know, it's they're so because mm-hmm. I'm listening to them and I'm thinking, oh, I really like this. You know, and people like I audio books. They're they're big sellers. I love audio books. That's why I always mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to pay for audio books when you go on ACX. So it could be a thought because. You know, and a lot of people that just don't have a lot of time, too, they can listen to one story one time and they could, you know, listen at another time. Mm-hmm. I, I think it might be something for you guys because they're really good stories. You know, it's worth us talking to. to Scott and the team about. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm listening to it. They, I mean, I'm sure because all of you, you're listening to it now, you probably read it, but listening to it, they all sound really good. You know, and, I, uh, it is a very yeah, strong you. anthology. You know, like I yeah, like I really said good. before, <laughs> I know, read. I was, it is very I good. was, um, you know, because it, it seemed my experience with anthologies, the ones I've read, uh, as well as the ones I've been in, there does tend to be that one or two stories that it's, you know, kind of, eh, little weaker than the others. And and honestly, mm-hmm. there is not a weak story in this anthology. Yeah, these um, these are good. Yeah. Well, I, I read one. Of, some of the reviews said this is somebody had left a review like that. They said, out of all the anthologies they've read, this was the, one of the strongest they've ever read. Mm-hmm. You know, no, and see, cool. I think I horror. Like that. That's why I'm saying that's the thing about it. You know, you you could all. It's it's also it's like very dark fiction. I mean, I talk about this all the time because. You know, horror, you know, I think that's what the name, it's just, it's like erotica. People, they go, oh, I don't want to read erotica, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's sex scenes in every book, you know, a lot of books, you know, and it's, I think that scares people in the categories that they get into, the genres, you know, because you can mix them over, you know, we talk, I talk about this a lot on the show because that just drives me crazy, you know, um, I was an agent for the WGA, you know, signatory agent, and I had tons of scripts for movies that came to me, but, you know, uh, they used to say, oh, I do not want any horror movies or I don't want any, you know, um, uh, like um, historical romances, and now that was then. But now people like these things, you know. I mean, it's not the same as it was. You can think Stranger Things for part of that. Yeah. I think Stranger Things had a really big impact on, you know, Partially of bringing back horror. 
I mean, I guess, that's, yeah, that's, that's just one. True. There are a lot of them. That's a great point. And I think, I, think the, mm-hmm. I think the Walking Dead did as well. I think there are a lot yeah. of people that mm-hmm. started watching The Walking Dead about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's horror, but really it's an adventure story. And at its best, it was a story about people and the connections they make. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, and how, how they survive day to day and have to rely on each other, which is always compelling. And um, the fact that it's wrapped in this zombie uh, wrapper, um, I think, you know, really did bring people in. And then it made people take a second look and say, oh, you know, maybe horror isn't so bad. Maybe yeah, there are yeah, some really good yeah. stories. Yeah. A lot of people that don't like horror think that it's, that they think that it's all slasher films and torture porn. And um, yeah, right. that's those are some subgenres, but everybody so thinks much it's more than you that. know they go, oh, this is saw, you know, <laughs> this yeah. is right, you know, and it's <laughs> not true, you know, because like I, I was just thinking, you know, before you were coming on, you know, the movie Eyes Behind Her, you know, uh, that Netflix series, you know, I mean, there's a lot of spooky type things out there, you know, mm-hmm. that are dark and creepy. And, you know, even I, I just started watching, which I didn't want to watch, and I started to watch it, Handmaid's Tale. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. am I watching oh, this boy. really? You know, yeah, oh, I never, wow. I didn't see it. It's, it was so, you I'm know, thinking. There's something to be, there's something to be said ahead. about a shift in attitude to genre fiction. There was always this sense with traditional publishing, especially that genre fiction was its own little niche. But genre fiction has kept the book industry in, in cash more yeah. than, and more than literary fiction. I mean, literary fiction might be considered the best, but publishing is a money-making industry, and romance yeah. and horror and fantasy is where the mm-hmm. money is. So yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. the, the publishing industry I think that's true. attitude. The publishing industry shift in attitude has allowed readers to be far more open about their reading preferences. I mean, <clears throat> romance industry probably the, the whole genre probably keeps all of publishing in publishing. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It does that, because um, there's romance in everything. There really isn't a lot, know, and there's romance in you know. I mean, I think they classify it as romance, like. Uh, in uh, so many genres, you know, if it's if it's a thriller, there's romance in it. If it's suspense, romance in it. Horror, there's romance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and sci-fi, you know, and everywhere. So I think also independent publishing has changed that also because it's allowed it entirely. Yeah, it allowed everybody to come out there with good stories. Yeah, and I, I think mean, I that that something. Of- oh, I'm sorry. Who? I would say I have a lot of friends who are authors who really still want the traditional publishing experience, and it, it hurts their egos <clears throat> when their book is rejected. And it's and I have to remind them this is not <laughs> right. this is not an objective yeah. experience. There is not an objective yeah. good or an objective bad. It's about what money they think they can make. Your book right. is good. To every book is a reader, and to every reader there That's is a right. story. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, and I was, and, and, I was going to say, yeah, um, to, you know, I agree with what, what, what Sarah said about the, the increasing popularity of genre. And I also think that partially it was fueled by the um, proliferation of ebooks 
because, mm. uh, you know, unfortunately there are a lot of people that care about how they look to, to those around them. And mm-hmm. a lot of people wouldn't want to be seen reading a romance novel or yeah. reading yeah. a book with like blood dripping down the cover, fake blood, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, with an ebook, you can read whatever you want. You can read erotica on the train right. and no one need exactly. know. Um, so I think, I think the ebooks, um, you know, the, the whole, Ebooks are very liberating. I think they have really given people uh-huh. freedom to read exactly what they want. I also write erotica and romance, and I have heard from readers who said that the you know the Kindle itself, you know the the ebook readers, they afford them a lot of privacy that they mm-hmm. wouldn't otherwise have. Yes. They don't have to worry about people snickering over their shoulder or anything right. like that. And the same applies to horror. Yes, but mm-hmm. even having, not having a physical bookshelf. Not having a physical bookshelf to look at that has to be organized in a store allows for genre bending. So you can have romantic horror and horrific romance in the same book and not really bat an eye. You can, can, it allows for so much more room. Right. And a lot of times when, when people are on the show, a lot of times, and they have thrillers, and it's listed as just a thriller or suspense. They have sex scenes in it, a lot of them, and they're swearing. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, and it's and it, of course it's that way. So and I think that what when they put it, if, if they put it in erotic books, then that would not they would go down to the bottom because that's what happens, and that's unfortunate. That's why, you know, I like to have everybody on because I think there's so much to talk about, and people, you know, they need to open up their minds and not say that's why I'm really glad it. You, I mean, all three of the stories sounded really, really good. And yeah, so I you. think, yeah, I, I think it was good to read this book, you know. Um, and I think, you know, I think that that's what happens in an anthology. You know, sometimes it goes away, but this one should stay out there. That's why I'm hoping that maybe we'll get together and do, you know, uh, an audio book, because I think this would sound great in audio. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I love audiobooks. I, I really do. Yeah. I know a lot of people do not. I, I beg people on the show, I go, just try the audio. And the audiobooks, I love it. You know, especially as a writer, I think for me, I'm just, you know, because a lot of times, which we all will know this, people go like, oh, this one has, doesn't have a comma in it. And, oh, my God, they put the mm-hmm. in twice, you know. So I mm-hmm. think when you hear it on audio, you're not looking for that, and people are not so, you know, because people are very critical and not in a good way, <laughs> not in a good way, because then they write that in the review, and it has that is so horrifying that that's a horror story itself, because that's not fair. <laughs> if there's a couple, you know, don't we know, don't we know that people don't put a comma in, or they didn't put a, you know, I mean, this is just happens to the best of writers. So for people to put that in a, in a review is so not fair, <laughs> but in an audio book, mm-hmm. you just hear it. Mm. You know, so I and yeah. these are good stories. So, any Elizabeth, you have a question? I know you probably do have some questions. You always do. Um, yeah, I wanted to know. I'm kind of curious because I ask this question of a lot of horror writers. I want to know what what scares you. Whoever wants to talk first. So this is this, this is Suzanne. You. Yeah, I'll go. I'll okay. go first because <laughs> I've thought a lot about it. Um, <laughs> so you know, I mean, when I was younger, and I was I was raised Catholic. 
So I think it's it's a fairly typical thing for a lot of Catholics that um, things about demonic possession tend, and the devil tend to be very scary. So that's what scared me when I was young. Now, as an adult, what scares me the most is the thought that I'm insane, but I don't know it, or and or that reality is not what I think it is, and that terrifies me. So you'll yeah. see a lot of those themes about, um, you know, someone not being sure if something is real, um, mm-hmm. if someone else can, you know, you saw some of that reflected in the story I read, you know, this woman can yes. see this other yes. woman and yeah. no one else can. Well, what's the truth? What's the reality? So that's personally what scares me the most is, you know, what is real, what isn't, um, what if you're living a reality that no one else shares? What does that mean? And to me, wow. that is the most lonely frightening thing that I can think of. So that's my response. Wow. And along the lines of what scared you as a child and what scared you as an adult, uh, I was raised Jewish, so we don't get any of the fun demon stuff. Uh, I know. I'm Jew- me too. Me, me too. I'm thinking, oh, I don't think I have this. I don't have this. Right. <laughs> there was plenty of I, just, I do have superstitions, but... though. I have superstitions. Oh, my yeah. God. It's all superstitious horror. But <laughs> yes. I was scared of green things. Like, I was scared of the Hulk. I was scared of alligators. <laughs> I was scared of Golem, the Witch of the West. Like, it's just green creatures. But... As an adult, and this is sort of the theme in all of the horror I write, it's hopelessness. It's Mm. the sense of giving up and not having any hope, a loss of control. If I'm in control, I can still have hope because I can regain control. Well, maybe that's a Jewish thing. Maybe that might be a Jewish Mm. thing. I don't know. I might feel that way, too. (laughs) If I could control a plane, I'd be flying. I'd be going more trips, I think, if I could be driving it. I think that's interesting to put this this way, you know, of that, of, you know, because that's what, you know, um, I think in, I think what we all faced this year, to me, I've written a horror horror script, actually, I did with my agent, maybe with my uh, editor, Mm. but for me, this year was, I felt scared for everything Mm. this year of what, it was I. I, uh, you know, I've never really talked about this part of me because I was scared this year. I felt really scared of not being able to see my family again, and um, or things like that. So that I think a lot of people now are have that feeling of fear that we that maybe we that didn't we ever have before. Survive that fear. That that fear yeah, is okay. Yeah. We, we yeah. didn't have the zombie apocalypse. It was yeah. it was us in our pajamas. Watching Netflix, yes, for a year. <laughs> yeah, we, no, we yes. didn't have the we didn't have the Walking Dead. We had to stand. <laughs> what, scare, what scares you, Elizabeth? Elizabeth, what scares you? Not much, I don't think. Well, well, well <laughs> not, not stone, much. No, I have some things that scare me. It's more like existential dread. But uh, yeah. um, one thing that scares me now is being alone. I mean, it's, I wonder sometimes if my husband were to suddenly die. I don't think mm, I would yeah. be able to handle it, and mm. that really terrifies me. Um, I'm also afraid of dark dark corridors, dark hallways, yeah. because I can't see what's down there that's coming at me. And yeah. when I was a kid, everybody I knew was afraid of um, – uh, we, we were afraid of quicksand, which ended up not being a problem <laughs> at all. 
<laughs> I, I'm sorry. I have to laugh at that because that is so true. We must be roughly the same generation, and yet we grew up like quicksand was like the existential threat. You know, do all of you dream a lot? Do I dream a lot? But I, I yes. have one recurring dream this whole year, and it's the same dream. I, and I have said this a lot. I dream that I'm always at a place. And nobody's wearing masks, and I'm looking in my purse for my ba- my mask. Where is it? Why? Do we- I need my mask, you yes. know. And I've so had that I one think. Many times. Have <laughs> you had that? Oh, okay. I've yes, had I've had that, that as well. I my mask. Yeah. Really? Okay, then I'm on the right show. Then <laughs> on the right show. You're today. on the right because, show. Yes, because honestly, to me, that is just because you look at people, and then when they're not wearing masks, I guess in your sleep you're going, like, why aren't they wearing masks? Mm-hmm. You know, and. I'm in Chicago, which is luckily good because we people did wear masks. But if I lived in another spot, I don't know. I'd probably be scared more, you know, of being in a place. Because I've had people on that they go to the grocery store and there's no mask. In Chicago, we all were wearing them. We still do. Mm-hmm. But I saw in my it's in my, when I'm sleeping. That's probably why I'm scared. When I get to a place and I go, what do you mean you're not wearing a mask? Why, <laughs> you know? Because we can't protect ourselves from that, meant at night, I think, you know. Yeah. Well, that's your brain and, uh, processing all of your anxieties. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very little else we're anxious about these days. Not which for, I didn't not think, which I didn't totally think fine. I had, you know, too much. Because, you know, I was raised in a family that was very over-anxious, you know, and I wasn't. But I felt it. They're they're not here now, and I can't even imagine. That's what I keep thinking: is what would my mother be doing? What would my, would my grandmother be doing? And my sister, because I, you know, and I was always the one that was more calming, you know, than all of them. And I am relatively calm, but it's just for the fact of I guess because this is not in my control, and that's why a lot mm-hmm. of people probably how we feel, you know. But now I do feel like hopeful again, you know, because. It, it seems like there's a light at the end of this tunnel. And I think that's also what happens to people. It's yeah. also spring. Yeah. And spring typically comes with that feeling of hope, the revived energy. I yeah. I have friends who, who, because I hang out with writers, they have all felt a, a lack of creativity this year. Yeah. Or they've coped by taking on something other than writing. And they feel guilty for not wanting to write. Yeah, when mm-hmm. others of us are, and and I said to one of them, you know what, I started knitting again more than I had mm-hmm. been in a few years because of the yeah. pandemic, and mm-hmm. and it helped me manage a lot of what I needed to cope with, to yeah. the point where I, if you want something knit, uh, I'll send you pictures because I have <laughs> so much. <laughs> all Nobody's gonna wear it. There's nowhere to go, but I've got it all. But it's at the same time. Everybody is now feeling energized to write again. And and I'm yeah. looking at the world thinking, it's because it's March. I've just come off of a February. That's when everybody's energy is at its lowest because it's yeah. February. Mm-hmm. It's like the worst month for energy and motivation. So I think we'll, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the – a lot of anthologies start posting their, their upcoming publications and calling for, for people to submit – and I keep thinking, this is a perfect time to do it. We're all feeling engaged again. We're all ready to write. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's really true. Most, a lot of the writers, I'd say most of them, you know, that I've had on, they've all felt that, and you know, that's why a lot of them have been watching movies. And you know, that's the good thing, you know, that people have been watching all these movies, you know, and uh, people that wouldn't be normally watching movies have been watching movies, and um, mm-hmm. so I think that that's why we all, you know, and I think sometimes some of the darker movies, because you know, I write romantic comedies a lot, and there's more darker. I think there's a lot of dark, you know, things on the air. And, I, and I've been watching them. But I think it also, if you're watching them, you're not thinking about the pandemic. You're thinking about what you're watching, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other thing. And cooking shows. I really don't love cooking. But um, I used to cook a lot when my son was little. But uh, next, the Food Network, people are cooking a lot. You know? Yeah. And my parents got really into the Great British Bake Off. Over the the pandemic. Right. They're cooking, you know, right, they're cooking, you know, and, you know, because you can order online, too. So if you need ingredients, you just order it online. It just comes to your house. Then, you know, you're not in the grocery store thinking, oh, should I get this or should I get that? You can just get it now. (laughs) And, you know, things like that. I mean, the world has changed so much. You know, I think within this year, and my hope is that people will be nicer to each other. But from what I can see online, it's not happening. But uh, I think after this year, you would think people would want to care about people more, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I think is tough, I mean, ideally, I agree with you. And I think that for a lot of people, that will be the case because we've had opportunities to realize, you know, how important people are. But uh, on the flip side, we have also this past year seen how ugly and selfish people can be, how yeah. ignorant they can be, and, and, and not even mm-hmm. just ignorance, willful ignorance. Yeah, um, yeah. It's so disheartening to know, you know, that you're sitting in your house um, during the pandemic and you're doing everything you can to keep yourself and your family safe and know that two houses down, there's someone that's saying masks don't work and it's going to starve yeah, you of your yeah. oxygen and yeah. you walk into the grocery store next week when you're there and not wear a mask. And I think, you know, seeing that side of what people are capable of was, was yeah. very disheartening. And, and for mm-hmm. a lot of people may, uh, you know, may have driven them further into um, not feeling so kindly. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's been a very think, yeah. confusing time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I to- right. And that's true because, you know, and you don't, in a lot of states that I, you know, I've had several, you know, I've had shows every week. So it's almost, it's so strange that there are different places where you can go into a grocery without a mask. And not in Chicago. You you have to in all the suburbs in Illinois. We all mm-hmm. wear masks. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of places, I, I'd probably freak out because I'd probably be dreaming it every night then, you know, if I saw that. But we actually have been all wearing masks for a long time. And they're mm-hmm. still wearing you know, so, but I do think, well, in, you know, in, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say in Massachusetts, as of next week, we would have been in lockdown for a year. Because it, it started yes. the day after Here my birthday. Yeah. That was yeah. the last time I went to a restaurant was a year ago. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And Jeez, it's like I, it's been that long. I know. I The first time I, I didn't think I should, should have shows, I mean, I kept thinking, well, should I have a show or not? And then I did. And then, you know, we 
we we had decided at that time people would say, oh no, I think we're not going to put it in our writing. But a lot of people have added it in their mm-hmm. writing, you know, because we didn't think it was going to last this long. Who who knew? I mean, that's just a year. You're right, a year, you know. And that's now it's a year lost, you know, mm-hmm. but hopefully gained in some ways where people. I, I we'll see what happens. You know, they'll they might have changed some of their ways. But you're right, two houses down, you don't know what anybody is doing. You know, and that's kind of that's what's scary to people. I think that's another thing that is scary. You know, right? That's real life horror people. right there. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> we're living it, but I think we are coming out of it. Right? It's it's spring, and you know, like you said before, both everybody's we're starting to warm up. about spring. Yeah. yeah, but we're all like I think. Well, Sarah, where do you where are you? You in the you're in the east, or you're not? I'm also in Massachusetts, but all right. So everybody, right? So right. Yeah. So right. But the people that are in, you know, LA and those places, they're outside. You know, and in Florida, mm. they're outside. So they've been outside the whole time without masks. A lot of them. You know. I mean, my sister's and, my sister's in California, uh, and she works in the service industry, and she owns her own business. They were shut down yeah. like three different times over the course yeah. of the past year, and she lost a ton of money. And my parents are down in Miami. Uh, and they have they're the weird spot in Florida that's a little more liberal than conservative. Like the rest of the state is rather conservative politically, but they're yeah. liberal. And they have a governor who's who's basically been like, "I'll back yeah. her up. Do what you want." Yeah, I think you know. Not, I think I you know. Freedom is freedom is good, but I think doing what you want all the time, you always <laughs> can't do. You know, I sometimes I think that when the people are not wearing masks, it's almost like. They're defiant. You know, they're just like children. Mm-hmm. They just say no. Mm-hmm. And even though they know they probably should wear a mask, they go, no, we're not wearing a mask, and nobody stops them. So I think that's, you know. I you read know. a lot of books about, I read a lot of books about the Spanish flu in the early part of this pandemic, thinking I would learn something, and I did. I learned that this is not new. These were the same patterns we had 100 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just have more communication and more awareness of it not being something that, that everybody agrees on, but the social distancing, the mask wearing, the school issues, these all played out in that yeah. exactly the same way they are now. People didn't want to wear yeah. masks. They didn't want to stay at home. They didn't want to be conscious of what was going on. I mean, at least we had information from our government. <laughs> Wilson's administration yeah. mm-hmm. didn't tell anybody anything in the, in the Spanish flu. Right. You know, see, that's the thing about the Spanish flu, right, because at that time, you know, we have the internet. So if somebody wants to say something, everybody hears it. Can you imagine yeah. how long it took to get a message to somebody in that time? You know, it was yeah. very different. You know, states didn't exactly know what, you know, people didn't know what was happening or whatever was going on. You know, it's just, but I think, you know, that's the good thing. So is there anything that anybody didn't say that they want to say before we end the show? I'm going to have everybody say their websites, but if you're looking for everybody's websites, they're also on, you know, where you can find everybody. It's also on the show page. Uh, but is there any last thing that anybody would like to say, Elizabeth? Um, yeah, words? I'd like to. Um, I, I'm glad Elizabeth, you know, mentioned that the anthology was. Um, done by New England Horror Raiders. And I also want to give a shout-out to um, Trish Woldridge, who was the editor um, and, uh, you know, helped select the stories, and also um, Scott Goodsward, who uh, 
edited it along with her, and um, he's also one of the coordinators of uh, New England Horror Raiders. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, they they help make it possible. Um, yeah, and also they one of the they do. Lynn Hansen also, that she was the cover artist. Yes, Lynn thank Hansen. you for mentioning yes. Lynn Hansen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it was a, it, it's a really you know, if, if anyone is listening who hasn't um, checked out the anthology yet, um, you know. Do it. it. It's if you like genre at all, even if you sh- shy away from you or you think you don't like horror or you tend to shy away from it. There, there's really something in here for everyone. And yeah, you know, like Sarah's so. I, story I is funny. Um, <laughs> you know, there's drama. There's relationships. And the writing there's is the, unexpected. From what I've heard, of all of you, the writing is good. That's the number one thing. Yeah. The writing is mm-hmm. good. Yeah, that's you know something very and we had a great very important. Patricia, so. Yes, we do. Yeah. Oh, yes, we like those editors. We like those editors mm-hmm. with the commas. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Sarah, any last words? I, I, th- I think everybody else has said it uh, perfectly well. Uh, and my parents are already texting me to say this was a great program. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Elizabeth, last words? Nobody? Uh, yeah, I have uh, two other short stories out in two other anthologies. One of them is The Storm. That's in the horror zines Book of Ghost Stories. And the other one is my horror comedy, Trailer Trash Zombies. And that appears in Gesture of Hearts, which is uh, just published a couple of months ago. So you can find both of those books on Amazon. And I'm on Facebook as Elizabeth A. Black. I mean, really easy to find. I'm on Twitter sometimes. And my website is uh, pretty much the same thing. But I'm, I'm easy yeah. to well, Facebook. Elizabeth A. Black. That blog, uh-huh. that, that kind of. Okay, Suzanne, where can they find you and what's next for you? Um, so uh, this story is my most uh, recent um, publication. Um, I was one of those people that didn't write a lot um, over the past year, although I'm going to be submitting <laughs> a horror poem um, to a market this week, um, which is the first thing I've written in a while. Um, so fingers crossed. Um, you can find me online. Um, my website is SuzanneReynoldsAlpert.com. You can also find me on Facebook um, as, let's see, Suz Writes, I believe, is my author Facebook page. Um, I occasionally am on Twitter, Suze's Muses. And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear from you. So uh, if you have any questions, uh, you know, hit me up. Sarah, Sarah, I hope you guys uh, will come on again. You don't, we don't have to just talk about horror. We can talk about other things. Sarah? Uh, my webpage is sarahmarks.net. There's no H on my Sarah. I am an H with Sarah. I, um, <laughs> I have been writing over the, over the year, and I have my first fantasy horror story collection coming out about hiring a new devil in hell, and my next chiclet book comes out in probably like a little less than a year where I'm in the middle of editing it. And if you want to be a collaborative writer, I'm on Patreon. You can actually help me edit the next books and participate because after the fantasy book comes out, we're going right back into horror. And I have two mm-hmm, stories yeah. that are ready to be submitted to anthologies. One might oh, be great. in the next, the next New England Horror Writers Anthology if mine is accepted. <laughs> so, oh, if, okay, it's exciting. And uh, let's see, did we forget anything else? We have a show. Josh Mellerman will be on in two weeks. Another, well, we, yeah, two weeks. And uh, let's see. And Oh, yes, I did finish a book. It's called It's All About Love. 
and it's a, a one of my new series, Warrington Legacy, and it's multi generations, and it's uh, drama, it's family relationships, and comedy. So it's, they're small novellas, and so that's what I I did. I, it was a hard year. I couldn't. I barely finished it, and then I rewrote it then because I hated it after I wrote it. So <laughs> it's been it's been one of those years. All right, and thank you so much for being on. And Elizabeth, I think she's off. I think she must have dropped out phone but i hope you will come back on it's been so much fun and you're all very good writers and so i i'm going to put your wicked women out you know and the link is the link that i sent you you can put anywhere you want and i'll be putting the link out and i'm buying it because i think it sounds the story sound really great so thanks again for being on and have a great day thanks Thank marcia it was a lot of fun nice meeting you. yeah we so appreciate nice it everybody take care bye-bye thanks bye, bye. bye.